1987, I was carrying a box of books to my new church office when a longtime church member confronted me in the hallway and out of the blue, he said, Chapel Hill will never have more than 300 members. I was kind of taken aback. I said, well, John, what if God wants us to grow? Well, then we'll plant another church, but Chapel Hill will never have more than 300 members. And as I stood there, box in hand, I realized I was encountering the first power play of my brand new ministry as a pastor. And later, when he started a vicious rumor concerning me and a colleague, which he later admitted was a lie, he proved how far he would go to cling to his power and bend me to his will. In other words, John was a bully. We've all faced bullies, haven't we? Maybe they're insecure or jealous or prejudiced or just mean. But every one of us has Johns in their life, bullies who would bend you to their will. And if you want to be a godly, subversive leader in your culture, you need to stand up to the bullies. <laughs> Although, when our hero Daniel did, it didn't seem to turn out too well. Listen to Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. <laughs> you see, wait a second, where did this come from? Daniel was a respected counselor to five different kings over 70 years. So how did this revered 90-year-old end up being tossed to the lions? Well, the bullies got him. That's how. The new Persian king, Darius, who had defeated the Babylonians, was a, a weak and vain man. But he did discover Daniel's extraordinary ability and planned to put him in charge of all of his kingdom, including 122 anti-Semitic bureaucrats who did not like this foreigner wielding so much power. And so these bullies teamed up to take him down. I want to continue reading. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. We've lived through a season of special prosecutors, special investigations, impeachments. Every day we are exposed to the latest revelations about something that some politician did sometime in their past. One of our own church members has decided to run for political office. And the first question he was asked by advisors was, do you have any skeletons in your closet? Would you raise your hand if you don't have a skeleton in your closet? Who'd want to expose themselves to the scrutiny that every public official must endure these days? Who could survive that kind of examination? Well, as it turns out, Daniel could. 122 jealous muckrakers worked overtime and found nothing on him. Imagine after 70 years working for the same company, an army of auditors combs through your records looking for any piece of dirt to discredit you. 
That's what they did to Daniel. But they couldn't find a scandal, a bribe, a quid pro quo, a shady deduction, nothing. Daniel was a man of unimpeachable character. He was faithful. And so, since the bullies couldn't find a scandal, they created one. They plotted to use his uncompromising spiritual life against him. And they played on Darius's monumental ego to do it. They went to him and said, Oh, king, why don't you establish a law declaring that for 30 days no one can pray to anyone except to you? And if they do, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And weak, vain Darius loved the idea. Receiving the praise and worship of every person in his kingdom. Awesome! And so he signed an irrevocable edict. And the trap was set. And now we come to what may be the most courageous verse in the Old Testament of the Bible. Verse 10, chapter 6. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Isn't that powerful? When Daniel knew the document had been signed. Daniel was one of the king's top advisor. He likely did his best to discourage this rash act, but he failed. He was outmaneuvered by the bullies. And so when the document was signed, when the document was signed, the document that said, you cannot pray to anyone but the king, or you will be thrown into the lion's den, what did he do? He went home. He went into his upper chamber with the windows wide open, as was his practice. He got down on his knees three times a day, as was his practice, and gave thanks to God. In other words, Daniel played right into his enemy's hands. Or maybe I should say, he prayed right into their hands. They knew he would never stop praying to Yahweh, and so they crowded outside Daniel's house to catch him in the act. It's almost comedic if you picture it. Daniel upstairs in the window, praying toward Jerusalem, 122 bullies down below, hiding, peeking, waiting to spring the trap. And they did. And then they ran off to tattle to the king. But first, they let him dig his own hole a little bit deeper. They said, oh, king, we just wanted to be sure we understood your wishes. Anyone found praying to anyone but you for the next 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den, right? Yes, said Darius grandly. That is my irrevocable decree. And the trap was sprung. Then the advisors answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is the one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Have you ever done something so stupid and the moment you did it, you realized it was stupid and you were stuck and you were sick about it? That's Darius right there. Daniel was irreplaceable to him and he tried frantically to think of a way to save him, but his ego trapped him twice. 
Once when he signed this foolish order, and again when he refused to retract it because he didn't want to lose face. How many world leaders have lost everything because they could not bring themselves to say the three magic words, I was wrong. And so the bullies won the day. And as I read earlier, Darius wished Daniel good luck, threw him into the lion's den, and went home to spend an anguished, sleepless night. But listen to the rest of the story. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near, he cried out in a tone of anguish, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Yummy. I'll bet that wasn't part of their plan. This topic could not be more relevant today. We live in a bully culture. People no longer have the freedom to disagree, to dissent. If your ideas do not hew to prevailing orthodoxy, you will be silenced or canceled. Our liberties, which are preserved in the Bill of Rights, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of the press, are threatened. And if your views don't align, you are removed from your social media platform, your book is blacklisted, your role in a Disney series is eliminated, Mr. Potato Head is suddenly offensive, and Dr. Seuss is suddenly racist. These power plays ought to concern people of every political stripe, because the levers of power always pass into other hands, and when they do, you end up on the receiving end of the bullying you once dished out or cheered on. All Christians of all persuasions ought to be concerned to preserve fairness, courtesy, and graciousness in our civil discourse, even as we disagree vigorously over the best course forward for our nation. We must stand together against bullies of all types. And, and bullying is not limited to the political or the religious realm. I know business people who are pressured to spout certain phrases, post certain signs, sport certain swag. And if they don't, they face shame and even risk their jobs. And the cyberbullying our kids endure today is brutal. So how do we respond to bullies? Daniel teaches us two things. Stand up and kneel down. First, Daniel stands up to the bullies. Remember, he'd been in politics for 70 years. He learned the art of compromise. He learned to pick his battle. 
But when this line was drawn, forbidding worship, he stood up to the bullies knowing the risks. And he did it boldly. He could have finessed his way out of this. He could have gone on a 30-day prayer fast or been less in your face about his prayers. He could have drawn the curtains or stood up instead of kneeling down, praying more subtly. Or he could have changed his schedule and prayed more unpredictably. But he refused to do any of those things. He defied an outrageous order. He stood up to the bullies. I'll say it again. We don't need Christians with chips on their shoulders. Believers who are always looking for a fight. Who find conspiracies behind every bush. Not every issue is worth fighting over. But sometimes you must draw the line. You have to say, I cannot in good conscience bend any further. And I'm ready to face the consequences. There are times when we must stand up. And then we must kneel down. When the document was signed, Daniel went home to pray, as he had done previously. He fought his battles on his knees. And here we discover the secret to 70 years of influence over five kings and two empires. His life, his ministry was bathed in prayer. Prayer to a faithful God who had preserved him for seven decades his God protected him when Nebuchadnezzar threatened to pull off his arms and legs. His God delivered his friends from the fiery furnace. His God could deliver him from hungry lions. And if he did not, Daniel still trusted that his God would be with him. This was the God that Daniel knew and loved and prayed to. May I ask again, as I've asked so many times recently, have the crises of this last year driven you to your knees? COVID, racism, political strife, the bullies of our cancel culture. Have you laid these challenges before the Lord in fervent, regular, faith-filled prayer? Is your prayer life any different than it was a year ago at this time? On Tuesday, the, the 16th, we will gather again for Kingdom Come Prayer. Write it down, would you? Join us for that. I long for our sanctuary to be filled with God's people who realize that the only way to stand up for what is right is to kneel down before the only one who is right. And what a God we kneel before. Has it struck you that when Daniel was praying, he was praying to the Son of God whose very life paralleled that of Daniel in so many ways? Jesus was an exile who left his heavenly home to serve and save us. Jesus also was incorruptible, even though he was tempted by Satan. Even though it would mean his death, Jesus returned to his home in Jerusalem to pray. Jesus, too, was arrested as he prayed. Jesus, too, was executed and left for dead in a stone cave, sealed with a boulder, bearing the signet of his killers. Jesus, too, had friends who rushed to that cave in the morning to discover whether God had saved him or not. And he had. This is why we can pray. Because we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way as we, but without sin. We have a Lord who has been bullied as we have, but never faltered. We have a Savior so that when we do have skeletons in our closet, He can forgive and cleanse and strengthen us 
to stand against the accusations thrown at us. This world is full of bullies who would intimidate, shame, and accuse us for daring to believe in a God who delivers, for daring to stand for what he tells us to do, for daring to bow before him alone as the only one worthy of our worship and praise. This world needs more Daniels who by the power of Christ within us are willing to stand up and kneel down. Will you be that kind of person? Will you join me in prayer even now? So God, we acknowledge that we live in a world that can be pretty brutal at times. Perhaps we've even been part of it. We have been on the bullying side of things, disdaining or knocking people down, making fun of them, or boosting our own power by putting other people's low. God, forgive us for any ways in which we have participated in that. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us people of courage who would stand against bullying of any kind. We would be the ones who would stand in courage, willing to take the consequences, whatever they might be, but we would speak the truth to power out of control. And I pray, God, that you would make us more and more prayerful as Daniel was, on our knees, bringing all of this before you, for we know that is where we will find the power, the courage, the discernment, the wisdom to be witnesses of grace in a very broken culture. So, Lord, I ask that you would do those things, stir those things, change those things in our hearts and life. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.